Do you struggle with self-compassion? I was self-aware most of my life about my own messed up beliefs, thoughts, and habits. I knew exactly what childhood stories they were born out of even, but I had no self-compassion. Instead, I was still judging, condemning, and hating myself over it. I was telling myself I should be past this, should be able to get over it, should be stronger than this. I shamed myself. I looked in a mirror and said horrible things to myself, thinking that maybe that would motivate me to change. I would generate some harebrained plan for me to get it together and restrict and punish myself to lose weight, which of course would only last a few days or maybe a few weeks before I would self-sabotage. Can you relate? Most of the women I work with already have a high level of self-awareness, but they lack self-compassion. We cannot rewire our brains until we have self-compassion. We can lose weight without self-compassion, We can reach our goals without self-compassion. We can hate ourselves through the whole process, and we will still feel miserable once we see that number on the scale. Sure, we'll feel a temporary thrill, but we will very quickly adapt and go back to feeling miserable, or we'll just move the goalpost and think that we need to lose more weight to love ourselves. We cannot let go and move on from our old ways through self-judgment and shame, only through self-love. Judgment and fear might produce temporary behavior modification, But love is what produces true long-term change from the inside out. This month's mindset class is called Compassion for Your Coping. In this class, you will learn about your Enneagram personality and how it has impacted your relationship with food, weight, and body image. You'll learn your childhood wound, or the primary message that you received as a child, and how it shapes the story that you tell yourself about your life, your health, your weight, and your capabilities. You'll learn your signature brand of coping with self-compassion and gratitude for how it has helped you survive. You'll learn easy, practical ways to practice self-compassion, and you'll get specific personal growth recommendations that you can begin to take action on. When you sign up, I will email you access to the recorded class, and you can watch it whenever is good for you and have access to it forever. The price is just $22 through PayPal. Head over to bit.ly slash self-care keto class to sign up today. Hey guys, this is Lawrence. Welcome back to the Ketones and Coffee Podcast and thank you so much for tuning in. I know everyone here that's listening are here because you want to create a sustainable, healthy lifestyle through the ketogenic diet and every single week I try to bring in guests that not only has the knowledge but these individuals has also been through the same trials that we all have been through when it comes down to our search for a better health. We get together in hopes to assist you on your own journey. Guys, I'm so excited for this. Stick around because our guest today is a weight loss and personal development coach and holds a master's degree in life coaching with her mission to help women lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset approach. She is also the host of the podcast Self-Care Keto, Weight Loss for Women, where she shares her knowledge and experience to help women discover the great benefits of keto. I'm so excited for this. I'm here with Jess Reed. Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lawrence. I love your (laughs) podcast. You just have the freaking coolest people on. I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that so much coming from you because... You also have a great podcast, Self-Care Keto, and and I love what you're doing and your mission uh, behind that. Yeah, so it's been a long time coming. We've tried to make our schedules work a few times. Some things happened, but I had we had to reschedule. But we are here today. It's a pleasure to finally have you on. I'm so excited. 
Thank you. I am too. And that's just because you're just growing like, like, you know, wildfire. You're doing so awesome. So yeah, thank I'll, you. I'm glad we were able to make it happen today. I, I can, I can say the same for yourself, but we go, uh, before we get into your story, I want to say that I want to applaud you because as I was listening to your podcast, when you told your story, I was reminded of the times I felt the same way as a young boy mm-hmm. growing up. We all want that acceptance and recognition uh, for what we do or maybe sometimes just for who we are, right? Um, Your experience growing up was that of, you know, pain and shame that we all experience to some degree. Um, from From your struggles with weight as a child growing up, I'm going to let you tell your story in a bit. But I just want to say that your level of honesty, as you tell it, is so refreshing to me. Thank you. Um, yeah. And that level of awareness and vulnerability that you show is something that many of us can uh, pick up from and learn from. Absolutely. So I'm glad for our listeners today um, to be able to learn from you, learn from your experience. And I understand that you had struggled with weight very early in your life as well and Mm -hmm. um, as a result you struggled with you know self-esteem issues and that feeling of being overweight all of that baggage you carried with you that had manifested into a poor relationship with food back then so my question is i want i want you to take back to take us back to that time you know the earliest you can remember that contributed to your relationship with food before keto Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I was probably as young as four years old when it first came to my attention through the concerned people around me (laughs) that Mm. I had a problem with my weight and, um, you know, I was put on a diet, I would say from a very, very young age, not in the sense that I was actually counting calories yet. My mom did teach me to count calories. Like I was like nine or 10 years old, Mm. but I was, um, kind of, forced to eat a different way, um, than my twin sister. And so you can imagine that this was like very pronounced in my mind Mm, of like, there's something wrong with me. So I had a twin sister. I I have a twin sister. We're fraternal. So we're not identical. Um, and she was always the tall, skinny athletic one. And I was the short, fat academic one. (laughs) And so this was kind of like the roles that we had that people just expected us to fill. It was very, very painful for me. Um, I can remember back, I was about seven years old and we had a babysitter come over to the house one time. And I just like this babysitter, she was probably 12. You know, this is like the eighties when like a 12 year old would watch like yeah. seven year olds. Right. But she came over to the house. I thought she was the coolest thing ever. And this moment of shame, because my mom had a snack list up on the refrigerator, like a whiteboard. And on, you know, one side, it said Jessica's snacks. And on the other side, it said Julie's snacks, my twin sister. Mm. And, you know, on my side, well, on Julie's side, it was like, she could have like ice cream, but I could only have mm. frozen yogurt. My sister could have chips, but I had to have the fat-free pretzels. And, you know, I just felt so much shame about that. My mom walks out the door and one of the very first things my babysitter says is, do you want to have a snack? And I was like, sure. You know, and she starts giving me the stuff that, you know, my sister Julie would eat. And I was like, oh, I'm not allowed to have that. I remember God bless her. She was like, that's a bunch of crap. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I was just so young from, from that first moment of shame, you know, another, another really pronounced moment of shame for me. I was about 12 years old. 
And so I was just getting on the cusp of like, you know, going through puberty and everything. And I couldn't fit in the children's department anymore. And my mom had to take me shopping in the juniors department. And in the juniors department, I was like a size 13. Um, And, you know, my mom, I remember my mom being in the fitting room with me and her saying something to me, like, we've got to do something about this. You're wearing a size 13 and Mm. I'm a size 12 in women's like you're getting bigger than me. And I felt so much pain and shame. Like my face still gets hot, just like thinking about it. But like, I didn't know at that time that, you know, junior sizing was different than women's sizing. And, you know, my mom really was shaming me in that moment. I think that Mm. she just had a lot of fear. And so mainly that was one of the ways that she motivated herself was through shame and fear. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's how she was motivated, but yeah. So this just shaped me very much my entire life life growing up, I thought there's something fundamentally wrong with me. And I carried Mm. so much pain around it. Um, you know, what was my relationship with like before food? I mean, sorry, before keto, uh, Mm. my relationship with food was like, food was my enemy. Um, Mm. food was like something illicit that I would kind of sneak. Um, food was not safe. And I, I was very much obsessed with food, um, obsessed with trying to get it in a way that other people wouldn't realize I was getting it. I was obsessed with counting calories. As soon as I learned how to do that, I had so much anxiety. I was never really present with the people that I loved. I always had that like calculation going in the background, the anxiety going in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had such physical and mental and emotional anguish from like the binge restrict cycle that I'm sure so many people can relate to. And then also I was just really steeped in diet culture and harmful beliefs from my childhood that I was never really able to shed. We hear these stories much too often where, and it happened to me at some degree when I was in elementary school, I was uh, a a bigger kid. And as a result, you know, we, when we were kids, we developed a lack of confidence. I sur- I surely did in the beginning and, you know, also fear of judgment where um, I'm not good enough and mm-hmm. I am avoiding uh, confrontations, uh, fearing that somebody might say hurtful words to me. So um, at s- to some degree, I carried that to uh, adulthood and external words at that time. Unfortunately, they stick. Yeah. Uh, and t- to adulthood, but you know, their words become our words um, internally, yeah. and and we carry that. Uh, and uh, another thing is, nobody should be made f- uh, to feel that way. No, nobody. Uh, no, and at that very young age too, to think that kids is put on this pressure of you know, uh, and and to your experience, you said always being compared to your twin sister mm-hmm. um i i i can't imagine that being you know something uh that's uh that's very hurt- hurtful yeah. you know being compared to a twin sister i can't imagine that um but you know you shouldn't be feeling that way as a child mm-hmm. and so you know just listening to you talk um and the feeling of you know not being accepted at some degree I, I hope that people talk about this more because it is real unfortunately the hurtful words you know follow us and but the problem is even though it's not it your reality anymore or their reality anymore it becomes the voice in our heads so I I, I want to applaud you for you know um, turning this around uh, helping other people helping other women um, be able to mo- be more confident in their own skin you know um mm-hmm. 
because if, if you were struggling at that age what are the chances that other people are struggling too? other kids are struggling too, right so mm -hmm. I, how, how were you able to manage the thought of you know you, you've mentioned that that feeling of being overweight even though you had reached a healthy weight I understand that you mm -hmm. were at some point um, became anorexic and taking part in that extreme practice to manage the weight what was that time like yeah yeah um so i wouldn't say that i had you know actually diagnosed anorexia but i mm -hmm. definitely you know flirted with it <laughs> i would go through um <laughs> intense restriction um but yeah and i was never diagnosed a lot of us you know we all know that disordered eating is, eating is a spectrum so i definitely struggled with disordered eating um, and also, you know, purging to some extent, like not, um, I never was able to make myself throw up, believe me, I wanted to, <laughs> but, you know, taking, taking pills, laxatives, um, even compensatory exercise, you know, things like that, um, can also fall under the umbrella of purging. So mm. to say, how did I manage it? Um, I didn't know anything other than that. It was mm. just always my life. And so. Yeah. But yeah, I really did, especially when I was a teenager, I, I really struggled with depression and anxiety. I'm convinced now that a ton of it was related to nutrition and not getting proper, yeah. proper nutrition, basically yeah. my entire life. Um, but, and a lot of, you know, just chaos in my home growing up and things like that. Um, yeah, it was, I was in a lot of pain and, you know, I think that people kind of looked at me and thought like, oh, you know, maybe she has like a chemical imbalance or something like that, rather than ever yeah. looking at the food environment or ever looking at my home environment. It was kind of like, there's something internally with you. Like it must be that your yeah. brain chemicals are off or it's like some type of uh, yeah. character attribute in you that is the problem yeah. rather yeah. than the circumstances or the environment. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, as people are listening, that we can very much link this to the same thing with food, like, and weight loss. So like, there's a problem with you. Um, your metabolism is slow is what I was taught, you know, not that there's a problem with the foods that you're consuming, right? Like it. Mm -hmm. So to say, how did I manage it? I don't know. Like, how does anybody manage anything? Like when you're a kid yeah. and you grew up in an intense, crazy exactly. childhood, you don't have anything to compare it to. So I didn't exactly. know that there was anything other than just trying to do this every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the part that uh, I sympathize with you the most is, you know, you, you had said that on your story avoiding eating in front of people yeah um to decide that you are going to avoid that tells me the fear that you had to have of being judged of someone saying something hurtful yes yeah. yes very much so it was yeah. um and we all do this in some way shape or form when we're kids like like you said um the voices of others become your own internalized voice and for me i had a huge fear of criticism because i felt like as a child i was so heavily criticized and judged for like my whole you know everything about me is judged mm -hmm. based off of my body size um and so like for me yeah. yes i excelled academically but it was almost like this consolation prize like well if i can't yeah. be be in a smaller body at least i can go do this over here but i never yeah. really felt truly like accepted or praised yeah. it was always yeah. just this thing that was wrong with me so yeah I, my whole life was about avoiding criticism yeah. trying to somehow prove that like i really actually was mm -hmm. good um you know others of us internalize this in different ways for some of us it might show up as like trying to get love, trying to earn love, trying to earn approval. Um, for me, it had very much to do with like, am I good or am I bad? And so we all kind of have these, um, you know, signature mm -hmm. brands of our, of the mess, the lie that we're believing. Right. But for me, that's what it was for me. Since this is, since you're also a mindset coach, mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to share this one thing. 
as an adult, I've learned this. I learned that, you know, avoidance, since we are on that topic, only uh, strengthens our fears. You know, every mm-hmm. time you avoid that thing you're afraid of, it actually reinforces that fear more. Um, I want to share this uh, book that I read by Michael Singh. Michael Singer, sorry. The book is called The Untethered Soul. I, know, I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, it's on my reading list. I've heard yeah. it's phenomenal. <laughs> I love it because as he, he, he talks about, you know, these thorns that we form and, and it's, uh, it's um, the thorns are our fears. And every time we avoid them, the thorns actually grows, strengthens. And every time we avoid that thorn, whatever it is for you, in a way that we avoid the thorns, but that only strengthens it, like I said. And it comes to a point where we become invalid mm-hmm. and and because we avoid the things that are actually um, beneficial if we um, if we go at it head on. I myself am guilty of strengthening my fears avoiding my fears and i'm only learning this now as an adult imagine this when you were how 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 if if i'm just learning this now as a child how do you expect someone to um learn this or or you know change their lifestyle if they don't know how to like at that young age you Mm there's no way that you know what to do, right? Because I, I understand that you're, when you were talking about having had a, being on a diet, being put on a diet, you said you were put on a low-fat diet, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, and we all know now that low-fat diets are mostly filled with, you know, sugar mm-hmm. to compensate that, that taste. And so that can never that that can be a good uh, that didn't help your relationship with food. That tells me that at that time there really nutrition isn't uh, something that was talked about, and yeah. there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of uh, misunderstanding when it, it comes to nutrition. And so I, I really am, you know, just uh, talking about, you know, when you are fearful of something, I think that we, we should deal it head on. And, and again, kids cannot be put on this type of pressure growing up. So um, I love your story. Um, I would love to talk about leading up to keto. Mm-hmm. So how did you learn about keto and um, your initial reactions about it? Yeah, yeah. So um, basically kind of, you know, I was overweight as a child. Um, And once I reached a healthy weight through disordered eating around puberty, I Mm -hmm. was actually in a a healthy weight range for most of my adult life, but Mm -hmm. I didn't think so. I struggled with body dysmorphia. I always saw myself as overweight. Um, In my mid twenties, I went through a traumatic um, situation where I actually packed on about 40 pounds in the course of a year, um, trying to cope with that through emotional eating and just depression and everything. So I found myself actually truly overweight at that point in my life. Um, 
And I was just hiding out from my life. I was completely miserable. I had so much shame. Um, I didn't want to keep plans with anybody. I would change outfits like six or seven times and just cry. Um, you know, it, it, I was in a lot of pain um, and I was in a lot of desperation. And so honestly, I just wanted to lose 10 pounds as quickly as possible the first week of November because Thanksgiving was coming up in three weeks and I knew I was going to be seeing family and friends that I hadn't seen in a while and I was just desperate. And so I turned to Atkins because this was what I saw my mom doing when I was growing up as a way to drop weight quickly. I understood nothing about it whatsoever, except that, you know, you were restricting carbs and that this helped you to lose weight. Um, and so my mom would do Atkins during the week and lose like five pounds Monday through Friday. And then she would eat pizza on the weekends. Right. So I never saw this model to me as a lifestyle. It was just kind of like a fad diet. And, and I didn't care. I just wanted to lose 10 pounds as quickly as possible. So that's what I took to. Um, and I did lose those 10 pounds within the first two weeks. What I did not expect was how amazing I felt after, mm -hmm. after about a week and a half, it was just like some, like the lights turned on. And like, now I understand what it was like the magic of ketosis. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know what ketosis was. I didn't even know that it was really called that. I did read um, after the first couple of weeks, I was like, what is going on? And I decided to read the Dr. Atkins book prior to that. I was just like, let me just Google this and see what am I supposed to eat? What am I not supposed to eat? Mm -hmm. And so I did learn, okay, that the first, um, it's, it's like a multi-phased approach and with Atkins. And so you start in the most, um, like the lowest carb stage. And he did talk about ketosis. And so that's what kind of got me really interested in it and starting to research it more and more. I'm a huge like nerd about stuff like this. So I just went down all of the Google rabbit holes about what this was. Um, but honestly, the, the experience of satiety, finally not being hungry for the first time after I was done eating a meal. Um, because prior to that, it was like, I was never satisfied. I was just always ravenous. I would have a high carb dinner and then I would snack like the entire night, sweet, salty, sweet, salty. And I'd be so like bloated and distended and full of shame every single night and vowing never to do it again. And then I would like restrict all day and do the same thing again. And that was literally my life and it was so painful. And so, um, you know, the satiety of, of all of the protein and then like the suppressed appetite from the ketosis, like it, it felt easy. And I was like, what is this? I was so like, I was, I was, I am the same way when uh, my first week, I'm the same way. But yeah. go ahead. I was equally happy and angry at the same time. Like I was so happy that I found something that like finally set me free from the obsessive food thoughts and the hunger and just feeling like, a slave to this, right? I was so mm. happy about that. And I was angry because why did no one tell me this? Like, mm. why have I been suffering needlessly yeah. all this while, if only I had known. And so that's kind of what drew me into keto mm. was the desperation for weight loss. But what really kept me was the food freedom. And I say mm. that I still, you know, I lost um, those 40 pounds and another 10 pounds. So I lost 50 pounds with keto, but, um, you know, I've stayed with it for like the last nine years, including mm. while I was pregnant yeah. and postpartum. And like, because it is it and, and maintaining my weight while doing it. So for me, it is, um, it's a form of self-care for me. Like it, it's just fueling my body. There's so many data things and nerdy things that we could get uh, into about like how it affects your neurotransmitters yeah. and your mood and your clarity and, and just so many things. Like there's so many benefits to it, but yeah, that's why I've stayed is for the food freedom and the self-care aspect. I love that. Cause you found keto through just wanting to lose weight in the beginning, but I I'm, I'm the same because in the beginning I wanted to lose weight. Like this was, 
this was when the pandemic started where mm-hmm. i'm just um at home uh not exercising every yeah. everything was shut down gyms were shut down so i'm i i uh, i packed about 30 pounds in mm-hmm. just under two months yeah. so i'm like man i i can't get this off um through the same diet i was doing mm-hmm. which was broccoli and chicken breast mm-hmm. because I, before the pandemic i was i was uh in my healthy weight mm-hmm. and you know rest, you know the same way like calorie restriction um in the gym four to five times a week mm-hmm. but then when everything shut down i was i became more i know we were always home and we were always eating and if you're not working out you're not i'm not um burning calories and so right. i i packed a lot of pounds and i'm like i can't i can't after, after a few months i can't do this anymore mm-hmm. same way i found keto for weight loss lost a few pounds but then the amazing thing happened where mind clears um, i have more focus mm-hmm. um, i can now read without falling asleep um, I can now finish finish books yeah. that uh, I've been wanting to read, but can't because I can't focus. Uh, <laughs> I can't focus, you know, for longer than five minutes. So I am like, man, there's something to this. Mm-hmm. I want to learn more from people. I started the podcast w- just wanting to learn from people, the experience, mm-hmm. and because I, 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 uh, I ran out of things to read online. So I okay, I I need to. You know, talk to people and and see. I can you know record this and and uh, fast forward to now. Um, it's great. I, I I love this lifestyle and I love that you found it through weight loss. But then found found out that this was the lifestyle to be. And I want to ask you, when did you realize that this was the lifestyle for you? Is it like the few, first few months or like a few months? When did you realize that? Oh, because remember, you st- you had started Atkins thinking that this is short term mm-hmm. right yeah so when did you realize that you wanted to be on this lifestyle literally within the first two weeks oh. I, I in my mind i was like i have found like the fountain of youth and i am never <laughs> going back like i i have resolved in my mind i was afraid to tell anybody that because um you know i just knew that everybody would think i was crazy because they had seen me do so many fad diets and falling off of it and nobody really thought like because you know what it was three weeks before thanksgiving and then guess what thanksgiving rolls around and i'm eating keto on thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and everybody is like oh god she's gone off the rails what what is going on (laughs) you know like people literally they were like really you're not gonna have like the mashed potatoes you're not gonna have pie like and i'm like no i'm good i'm good and i felt like i had to kind of keep it a secret for a little while but i knew within myself um, within the first couple of weeks that I was never going back. And like I said, it wasn't the weight loss. It was the food freedom that it gave me because this really like gave me such mental relief from the pain that I was in yeah. every day that I knew that there was no way that I could go back. There's no way. And even though, even, even if uh, I, I would go off the rail for a day or two, mm-hmm. it will be an instant reminder. Cause I will be feeling like I'll be feeling sick. I'll yeah. be in bed. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to do anything. Yeah. I don't want to do anything because I, I feel first of all the guilt is one thing, but 
the second thing would be just feeling tired all the mm-hmm. time just feeling um it's just unproductive for me at times and so you know if i do go off the rails it it's a quick reminder for me that okay this is why you're on keto and this yeah. is why the old diet doesn't work for you anymore this is your lifestyle now Exactly. Yeah. It's a form of self-care and self-respect. You're like, oh my gosh, I finally know what it feels like to feel good. Why would I feel bad? (laughs) Yeah. Cause we don't, we, we forget that you can, you forget the feeling of feeling good. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine myself eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, filled with carbs because I I would be sleeping all day, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's just, just amazing that, uh, you had learned about keto and you are now helping people, um, also feel the same and so that's why i love your passion with coaching and passion with um, helping other women uh, experience and discover the this life the life mm-hmm. with you know self-care like you like you said and and learning about keto and how to do it properly so i, I want to ask you i love reading i read up on your your page about mindset coaching Mm -hmm. you said you know exactly what to do like people know exactly what to do but don't know why they're not doing it so i don't want to get into that mindset stuff that you uh that you have cultivated from your experience from from your education as a coach you know like i always i always wanted to exercise but failed to exercise before Mm -hmm. i wanted to eat healthy but I go off track and, you know, going off track for one day becomes, you know, a few months and now it becomes hard to get over that hump that became now uh, from a hump to a mountain. Mm-hmm. What, what is that mindset that we should have and where do we start with this? Yeah. So as much as we have been talking about how incredible keto is, right? Like keto did not solve all my problems. Like keto gave me the mental energy to do the work Mm. internally is what I would say. I like to compare it to when someone like is truly like clinically depressed or dealing with like clinical anxiety, you're in so much pain every day that you're just in survival mode. And you literally don't have the mental resources to go do the deeper work that you Mm. need to do to get to the root of the issue. Right. And so this is where it's really great to pair together medication with uh, counseling. Right. And so hopefully that's what people are doing. They're not just trying to, you know, um, self-soothe with, with a mental health medication. The point would be this medication is going to give you the mental leg up to then actually have the energy to do the inner work, right. To get to the root of the problem. And so that is how, honestly, I see that keto, like gave me the physiological and mental and emotional capacity to deal with the inner work. And so, Um, I still really struggled like, um, a lot when eating keto, I never, I never, um, went back to eating high carb, but I certainly still overate. I certainly still emotionally ate. I certainly still found myself self-sabotaging at times, still, um, approaching keto strategies from a diet culture mentality, meaning thinking all of my problems will be solved. If I can get myself into a smaller body, finally, I will prove this. Finally, I'll have, you know, what it is that I'm looking for these lies, you know, that the, the mindsets that were deposited into me as a child were still there. 
And so this is why I'm so passionate about mindset work is like, I knew I had a lot of self-awareness that I had a very screwed up relationship with food and weight and body image, but I didn't have the energy or capacity to deal with it because I was just in so much pain every day from Mm -hmm. the self-betrayal, right? Like the, just, you know, okay, I gotta, I gotta do better. I gotta get better. And like all the resolve and all the willpower and then failing again and again and again. Mm. Um, so basically what I realized I needed was that combination of like the medication and the therapy, right? So keto was like my medication. I'm like, I still have work to do. Now I need to actually try to take a hard look at my relationship with food and weight and body image and explore what are these beliefs? What are these things that are actually causing me to self-sabotage? Why am I still emotionally eating all of these things? And so I did a lot of um, personal development work. Um, I, of course I've been in therapy for years and years and years, but it finally still felt like, okay, this is making a difference now. Cause like, I'm actually invested. I'm actually doing the work. I'm actually, um, repairing with myself every time that I have like an emotional eating episode, instead of just saying, Oh, you're a failure. What's the point? Just give up. No, I would have, you know, a reparative time with myself to really sit down and examine it. I would bust out my journal. I'd be like, okay, what went wrong? What was the thing that I was Mm. thinking that justified to me that this was okay to do? Um, you know, how could I prevent this from happening again in the future? Like, do I need some better self-care? Do I need some better boundaries? What was the real unmet need where food was just the substitute? So of course I was still making, you know, mistakes. Like I was still not being perfect. You know, I, like I said, I was still emotionally eating. I was still self-sabotaging from time to time, but I would never let myself just go back to just accepting that as like, okay, well, I guess that's just who I am or what I'm going to do. Um, I finally started to take a look at that and start to work through it and grow through it. So yeah, um, that's kind of a little bit of my story. And after probably maybe a year or two of doing this, I had the dream in my heart of like, I have to share this with other women. I want to become a keto weight loss coach that, Mm. you know, brings together like a nutritionist and a therapist, like in the same room and the same program. And really, I I really believe it's like the one, two punch that people need. We, We need the physiological strategy that's actually going to work. And we need the mindset work to get out of our own way because, you know, like I said, you know what to do, but it's just that you're not doing it. Why are you not doing it? You have a very good reason for not doing it, by the way. Um, and, and it's, it's when you can believe that and validate that and be like, okay, there's actually, okay. This self-sabotaging part of me is not a bad part of me. It's a good part of me. What is the good thing that this part of me is asking for? Like this part of me is rebelling in a good way against the BS mm. of like, okay, you need to lose weight by this deadline. What? That no, mm. who says that's arbitrary. That's a bunch yeah. of crap. So as soon yeah. as I set a deadline for myself, that would cause me to self-sabotage because the very smart, wise, you know, BS detector in me was like, um, no, we're, that's ridiculous. We're not doing that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like reading, yeah. okay, I'm going to try this keto strategy. I'm going to fast for like 48 hours twice a week or whatever. Like not to say that this is wrong for everybody. For me, it was the way I was approaching it. Why am I doing this? Okay. Well, I still feel like I'm not worthy enough until I get into a smaller body. Like that's a bunch of BS and not true. And so you're going to rebel against it. So every time that I would self-sabotage, instead of showing judgment and just thinking, oh, I'm just going to be at war with myself forever. This is just my thorn in the flesh, which is what I used to believe. I was able to start showing curiosity and to say, there must be something good in me that is doing this okay, this is actually good that I'm self-sabotaging because I can sniff this diet culture BS and all of my childhood conditioning from a mile away. And I'm going to stop doing this. So I realized that it was either um, the strategy that I was trying or the way that I was thinking about it that needed to shift um, so that I could actually stop self-sabotaging. 
Wow. The the comparison between just working with the medication plus the practice by saying that it's it's refreshing because for me you have a lot of self awareness. Yeah. That's why that's why you're so effective because you have actually been through it. You've been in the trenches. You've mm-hmm. what what makes uh, an effective coach is somebody that actually knows what their clients are going through, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is what makes you an effective coach. And you talked about um, not being perfect, and you can't you cannot because people see Instagram posts of people um being perfect with their diet that's mm-hmm. not reality right right you we we as human beings we we have low moments right and you expect to to have those moments but the most important thing is the mindset going back into it mm-hmm. just knowing or learning how to bounce back from that yeah because the biggest thing is people going off track and that actually can be a start of something bigger because mm-hmm. now you're off you went off track and the next day you feel crappy feel more crappy your your guilt is eating you up and that becomes that enforces your your belief that you cannot do this and mm-hmm. and and one day becomes a week and a month and now it, it becomes something that is hard to come back from and so i'd love to talk to you about how are we able to bounce back from going off track because that's the biggest problem is when you we go off track we we lose sight of the goal so how do how do we bounce back um properly going in going back into keto let's say yeah i i think that it really is about having those reparative moments with yourself and taking some time to try to zoom out when you're calmed down, you know, you can't do this when you're in fight or flight, you can't do this when you're stuck in the shame cycle, but like, I don't, you got to do something physical to calm yourself down, like go for a walk or Mm. take a bath or whatever, try to get yourself into a relaxed, even eating can get yourself into more of a calm down state. So like, go eat like a good, you know, keto meal, Mm -hmm. get yourself into a calm down state. And, you know, then sit with yourself and ask yourself, like, we're kind of going to do a little after action review here, you know, like, okay, what, what led up to this? What threw me off, you know? And then, you know, what were the thoughts that I was having? What are the thoughts I'm having right now? And you're going to separate yourself from your thoughts. You're going to be the observer of your thoughts instead of just being stuck in your thoughts. And most people never, ever do this in their lives. It's like, we like have like these virtual reality goggles on and like you're in the video game and you know, you just never like actually come out of it. It's like when you take the goggles off and you look down and you realize, okay, or you're watching a movie in a movie theater and you're like, you're freaking out during like the intense scenes, like picking your fingers and everything. And then you stared at at your lap and you're like, okay, I'm okay. I'm still in a movie theater. Like, you know, this isn't really happening. That's when you kind of come back to your true wise self, right? Not like your ego that you're just like stuck in, in all of the negative thought loops. You're going to be the wise, compassionate observer of your thoughts for just a minute. And whatever it is that you're thinking, you can ask yourself some good questions like, huh, who does this sound like? When did I first start to believe this? Um, so, you know, if you're telling yourself, I can't do this, 
Like I have several exercises that I do with my clients. I have like some bounce back steps for emotional yeah. eating that I do with my clients. One, another one is um, an exercise that I do teaching you how to rewire a belief. So just examining something. So the first thing you're going to do is like, okay, I'm having the thought that I can't do this. Okay. So instead of just saying, I can't do this now you're saying I'm having the thought that I can't do this. Interesting. Mm. You know, we're going to show some curiosity. So instantly okay. you've separated yourself from it just by adding those few words in front of it. I'm having the thought that I can't do this. Okay. Um, so is this true? Okay. Uh, and then it could, it could be, yes, you could say yes, because your brain's going to give you evidence of all of the ways that you failed in the past and yada, yada. Um, how do I feel when I believe this is true? Oh, I feel like crap. I feel defeated. I feel hopeless. I feel stuck. I feel angry. I feel frustrated. I feel exhausted. I feel, um, you know, whatever it is, guilty and all of these things, get it all out. Okay. Who would I be without this belief? What if you could go back to your childhood and nobody ever, you know, taught you this? What if, what if, what would your life be like if, if you could go to a surgeon and somebody could just extract this belief from your brain? How would your life be different? How would you think, feel, and behave if you just let that go? Right. Mm. And oh my gosh, I feel instant relief. I feel happy. I feel joyful. I feel um, like validated, like all, all of these things mm. that you could feel differently because all of your thoughts are just stories that you're telling yourself that are completely optional. That's, that's yep. the source of your yep. suffering. It's not the number on the scale this morning. It's what you made that number mean, right? It's not what you ate yesterday. It's what you're telling yourself that makes it mean about you that you're a failure, that, you know, it's hopeless, that you're lazy, that you're inconsistent, mm -hmm. whatever it is, um, that there's something wrong with you. Th those are just thoughts and stories that maybe somebody else said to you, but you don't have to believe them anymore. They're optional. Yeah. What would be a different yeah. story? Yeah. And you can turn that around with yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not strong enough to do this. Like what would be the opposite of that? And so I help my clients with that to try to like, mm -hmm. okay, let's reframe wow. this. And so, you know, sometimes you would think that the opposite of that is, um, I am strong enough to do this. Okay. How does that feel like, but here's a big one. How about nobody's strong enough to do this? Yeah. How would that feel? Oh my gosh. That would feel like, okay, fine. Good. You know, like yeah. I, there's nothing wrong with me and it's true. Nobody's strong enough yeah. to do this. Nobody is strong enough to moderate all of this, you know, chemical made stuff in a lab that is literally designed to keep you addicted. It's impossible. Nobody is succeeding at this game without any negative consequences. It's a dumb game to play. What if you just didn't mm. play it anymore? What if you just said, nobody's strong enough to beat this, so I'm not gonna keep playing it? Mm. Like, oh my gosh, now that's a turnaround, right? Yeah. And so yeah. this is the type of work that I like to do with my clients, this mindset wow. work. So you can do it with yourself, um, you know, just try to be the um, examiner of your thoughts. Use those, those questions that I just took you through. Um, listen to personal development podcasts, you know, just try to get resources mm. into you to try to um, coach yourself when you're in those moments, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Just a lot there. Um, just realizing that we have the choice to focus on what we want to focus on. If we don't focus on the things that are giving us problems and we focus it on the positive, just knowing that we have the choice and we're in control of that is huge for people. Um, there's a lot there because I love what you're I love the I love just mindset stuff when yeah. I talk to people about mindset stuff because some people just don't realize that it is that simple. But I'm not saying it's easy. Right. It is simple, but it's not easy. There's yeah. a, there's a lot there's a lot of work to be done. It's it's an everyday process, and it's an everyday self awareness, self care piece where 
whenever that thought comes up, you have to choose for yourself. Because mm-hmm. if you choose to follow that, and it becomes bigger. Right. And just knowing that you are in control of focusing it on something more productive rather than focusing on something that is um, holding you back. And so just recognizing that is huge for people. So thank you for that. I, I love what you're talking about. That's that's a, a, along my alley. Um, coaching. You have a program, uh, Change Your Life in Five Weeks. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about what clients can expect in those five weeks? Yeah, definitely. So I um, have an initial commitment of five weeks with my new clients and you can extend from there to keep working with me. About 90% of my clients do actually keep working with me beyond the first five weeks. But in the first five weeks, um, you're not only going to learn the concrete strategies that you need to be successful, but we're also going to start digging into all of this mindset stuff. Um, So what is your relationship with food and weight and body image? We're going to look back at the childhood stuff. Where did this come from? When did you first start to um, believe these things and why? We're going to develop some self-compassion surrounding these things. Um, So a lot of us have self-awareness, but we totally lack self-compassion because we're like, oh yeah, I know exactly where all my problems came from. (laughs) But we're so judgmental about ourselves because we're like, and I just need to get my stuff together. You know, like we we really don't have the self-compassion surrounding it. We are you know, kind of making an enemy of ourselves, all of our internal voices, you know, those are all valid. Like I said, there's, there's no bad parts of you. It's all good parts of you. And so we're going to start to examine all of those voices that start to come up and treat them with self-compassion and kind of become the CEO of all of those little voices, you know, to get everybody on board because the protective part is going to have their own objection. The rebel part is going to have their own objection to what you're trying to do. You know, the scared little child part is going to have their own objections and everything like that. And you're going to be the awesome CEO of all of your voices. And you're going to say, okay, everybody's viewpoints are really valid here. And we can overcome all of these objections. You're still going to be safe. You're still going to have pleasure in your life. We're going to get all of these unmet needs met for like love and belonging, whatever food is filling this role for right now. Don't worry. We're still going to get all of those needs met. We're going to figure out a more, um, you know, proactive and uh, self-caring way to take care of this stuff. Like it's actually going to be better. You guys like, trust me, like (laughs) you're going to be the CEO that gets all of your inner voices on board to be able to remove the obstacles that are getting in the way from you doing what you know is the best thing for you to do. So that's all the mindset stuff that I work on with my clients. And, you know, we meet over video chat once a week. And in addition to that, we text message every single day. Um, so I give you homework assignments throughout the week to keep you reflecting. Um, and then I also, you know, have an online course, you get access to that as one of my new clients. So that's just my one-on-one package. And then also, like I said, I have an online course that's really, um, a self-coaching tool. So for people that either, um, you know, just in some way, shape or form, you're not able to do the one-on-one coaching. I have that as a self-coaching option as well. So that's, you're going to get all of that (laughs) same stuff, but it's just packaged up in an online course for you. Love it. Love mm-hmm. it. Um, this is a broad question for you. Mm-hmm. And you can take this one, well, whatever you please. How do clients get the most out of this system? Um, obviously, um, it's majority of it. It's mindset stuff. And I believe that majority of li- any lifestyle changes is mindset. Going into anything could be mindset is bigger than just the switch of choosing because the 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 part of you having to decide for yourself is more so mindset 
mm-hmm. choosing for yourself, choosing that this is no longer serving me, and now I have to choose that this being open to, um, to you know maybe keto if if that's what you want, right? Keto to be the best option for you. So I, if you want to take it there, um, you can take it there, but. This is a more broad question for you. How do we get the most out of this system? Out of coaching or out of keto? Yeah. Um, you can, both. Both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That really is a broad question. How do you get mm-hmm. the most out of it? Out, out of your coaching. Let, let's start mm-hmm. there. Out of your coaching. Like, um, if, if somebody is coming from a place where um, they just heard of keto, they just want to lose weight, um, is it mindset that they have to focus on? Is it just looking back and and being really open to uh, you know lifestyle lifestyle changes and or being coachable like so, some of those things? Um, how how can I let's say for example I am a client of yours and I approach you for weight loss? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I get the most of it? What what are my steps? What what should I what should my mindset be going into it? Um, cause, cause a lot of people are wanting to, you know, lose weight, but when it comes to it, it's really hard for them to make that switch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, accountability, the accountability piece is huge as well. Mm-hmm. And just sometimes do you, do they need to abstain, uh, completely? Yeah. Like, what 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 do you teach your clients about um what they need to be uh thinking of coming into your coaching mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so the, one of the first things that i do when i work with my new clients is i give them a lot of self-assessments to learn more about themselves and for mm-hmm. me to learn a little bit more about their personality because mm-hmm. this is such a broad question but i really do personalize my coaching to every single client that i work with mm-hmm. and so i need to understand kind of what makes you tick and you need to know what makes you tick and what actually motivates you um, because you kind of mentioned like do i need to abstain you know some people do better with abstaining um kind of they they might just be more of a go big or go home kind of person mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that yeah. really motivates them. And other people are like, oh God, if I can't have like a couple of tortilla chips yeah. when I go out to Mexican, like I'm, I'm out, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> so you just kind of have to learn the personality of, of yourself or I would learn of my client and kind of understand what makes you tick and, you know, resolve the fears. Like what are, what are your objections? What are the obstacles that you feel like you're facing? And so we're going to identify those and then we're going to come up with a plan to kind of overcome them. Um, the, for me, one of the most important things that I want to do with my clients is get them into ketosis as quickly as possible, mm. because I know that once you get into ketosis, you're going to like right now, this is all just theory. You're like, oh yeah, that sounds really great, Jess, you know, like, but you can't actually really know what I'm talking about until you get into that magical place. Right. And as soon as yeah. you get there, you're going to be like, oh my God, you're, are you serious? Like my appetite is gone when I'm hungry. It's just like, I want to eat a steak instead of like all the carbs. Like it, it really is like a really funny, magical experience 
experience. And so once I can get you into that place um, and kind of show you like what it is that you've been missing, how good you could feel that you didn't know how good you could feel, mm. then it kind of becomes like so much easier. Right. Yeah. And so then of course, you're still going to be dealing with all this mindset stuff. For some of my clients, we have to deal with a lot of the mindset stuff on the beginning because getting them into ketosis, like it's not happening. Like uh, we're just having an issue actually being consistent with the strategies. And so it really is different for every client. Like sometimes it's, I'm doing a ton of this mindset stuff on the front end, just to be able to get you to a place of consistency um, so that you can get there. Right. And then for other people, they just have maybe a little bit more willpower or maybe a little bit more leverage or whatever. And they're like, okay, I can do anything for um, a week. Right. And so like, if you could just believe I can do anything for a week, I'm going to do this for a week. We're going to get you into ketosis and we're going to get you feeling so much better. Um, and then, you know, every, like I said, every client is different. So what do you need to do to get the most out of this experience? Okay. If you could just tell yourself, I can do anything for a week, I'm willing to give this a try. Um, and then if I don't like it, I can leave like literally no harm, no foul. Like what's the worst that could happen. I'm going to do this for a week. Right. Um, another thing is just being willing to be curious mm -hmm. instead of judgmental when you feel like you messed up. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to practice curiosity here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be open to changing my mind, right? Like I'm going to surrender a little bit and mm. be willing to take a hard look at some of this stuff that I've never taken a look at. And you know what, literally what's the worst that could happen. It's not like you're going to wind up worse <laughs> after this experience, <laughs> after taking a look like, and just to be clear, I'm not in the business of making my clients relive all of their traumatic childhood memories. <laughs> that's not, that's not <laughs> what we're doing. I'm like, yeah. And then what happened? And then what? like, that's not, that's not what we're doing. We're, we're saying, where did this come from? Oh, okay. Like I was about seven years old and uh, this voice in my head kind of sounds like what my dad used to say to me or what my mom used to say to me. Like, okay, we can, we can be general. You know, the story. I don't need to know the whole story. The point is that I'm helping you link it to Together in your mind so that we can bring this belief up to the surface that's actually subconscious and we can take it through, you know, these questions of self-inquiry and self-compassion. And then what do I want to believe instead and, and, and move on from there. Love it. For some people that are just listening and haven't jumped the gun, or if you're somebody that's wanting to go keto what we mean by feel good. Cause sometimes people forget how to feel good and to explain that feeling. It's like this, whoa, whoa experience where I didn't know I could feel this good. Right. Okay. Cause you know, you talked about, you know, experiencing all of that since you were four years old, you've mm -hmm. probably never experienced something like this. And so this is great for people that are, wanting to make a change and just don't know how to because that mindset stuff is really um, stopping you for, for, from really transitioning into this lifestyle. So I'd love for my listeners to be able to find you. Where can they find you, Jess? Yeah, I am on Instagram and Facebook at The Keto Fit. I'm also on LinkedIn um, at The Keto Fit. And I have my podcast, Self Care Keto, my website is theketofit.com. Awesome. I'm going to link everything down below so you guys can check out Jess. Thank you so much, Jess, for sharing your story. Loved your story from the get-go. Thank you so much for coming on and taking the time today. Thank you too, Lawrence. Awesome. All right. Bye-bye.